0: Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Abby Carcio, And I'm your other host, Sydney Cummings. And from wherever you're listening, welcome to Megged, a women's soccer podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the woman's professional sport.
1: This episode, we'll be
0: talking about what the heck is a transfer window. Move your feet. This is Megged. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Megged. We were not here last week because Abby, drumroll, had a massive week last week. Abby, tell us about your coaching course.
1: Yes, Sid. So it was very exhausting, but I had my first in-person session for my UEFA B coaching course. Very intense, like I said, um, but super exciting. Everyone there was very nice and really eager to get on with my assignments and to continue uh, for the next nine months.
0: Well, we are definitely cheering you on. It sounded like it was a really good experience for you. So definitely happy to hear all about that. What are you up to, Sid? How was
1: your uh, week off from the pod?
0: Yeah, I mean, my coach was actually away, ironically enough, doing her pro license. So I guess it's just the time of licenses and coaching. Um, But yeah, we, we had a week of training and then we had a game on Sunday. We won that. So we're advancing to the next round of the Scottish Cup. So just chugging along on in the season. Heading over to some news, though, Abby. Sad news. Arsenal lost to West Ham for the first time ever.
1: Oh my gosh, Sydney. I was watching this match and was just so frustrated. I mean, it was exciting because Leah Williamson back is back with her first start uh, since her ACL injury, so it was a big match. Um, West Ham's at the, sitting at the bottom of the table right now, Arsenal at the top, um, in the top three, so you would think it's a pretty feasible game to get three points out of, but it, it's like Jonas Eideval for Arsenal just has all of the riches but can't put it together in the right way, so quite frustrating but we're not out of the title race I still have hope but it's also great to see that a bottom of the table team like West Ham is competing with the top of the table it's showing that the gap is is definitely closing so on the one hand it's positive for the women's game but as an Arsenal fan quite frustrating
0: and on the other side of that league talking about ACL and a top team in the WSL Katarina Macario got some news from Emma Hayes saying that Katarina Macario is set to be back For Chelsea after the February international window. I saw this thing on, I think it was on Twitter between Sam Kerr and Kat, where they basically were like, oh, throwback to that one training that we had together before both are now, you know, Kat is on her way back from her ACL, Sam Kerr just did her ACL. But Abby, I mean, I feel like the US missed out on Katarina Macario in the World Cup. So could we see her for the Olympics?
1: I mean, one would hope. This is a huge piece for the U.S. national team. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it develops over the next year or two because now Emma Hayes has her for a couple of months at Chelsea before those Olympics. So, I mean, it would be nice to see her for the midfield that we've been talking about so much, but she definitely needs to take her process um, on her own time because it is a precarious time when you're coming back after so many years off. Um, but excited to see her for both the Chelsea side and hopefully the U.S. in the summer.
0: Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing her and heading over to the U S actually, the red stars just announced their general manager. So it's good to see that the NWSL is solidifying those hires. It'll be really interesting to see what that league is looking like. They're in preseason right now. So definitely going to dive into that, um, as the league kind of kicks off and our last bit of news is basically just the amount of transfers that have been happening in this past window. Um, if you have been keeping up with them on our Instagram, definitely, uh, keep an eye out if you haven't. But Abby, I mean, transfers, transfers, transfers. Don't you think it's time we tell the people what is a transfer window? Absolutely, Sid. It's such a
1: mystery to everybody. So I would love to talk about this and dive in.
0: Okay, Abs, let's just start with the basics. What is a transfer window? Sure. In
1: its simplest form, the transfer window is a time period where a football club can actually sign a player who was formally contracted. And so these different windows happen at different times for each league. The Australian League has a different timeline than, say, the French League or, say, the NWSL. So those windows are held at different times, but they do have a time structure. Usually there's one that's a bit longer. So in the summer periods, for some clubs, it's usually two and a half months long and then there's usually one midseason sometimes in the winter that's usually a bit shorter a month long so this is just a time where there are a lot of moving parts for clubs in terms of rosters but also for players in terms of where they're actually playing
0: so abs obviously we've seen a lot of transfers happen right like it's it's a big time this is like the winter window where a lot of people transfer why is this something that that we would even cover like why is this something that people talk about?
1: Yeah, I think as a fan of the game, most people don't even know what a transfer window is or when they're held or the rules and regulations that go on with them. But even as a player, someone who's taken part in many transfer windows, I still don't know all of these different ins and outs. And I think there's a real lack of information um, for everybody in the women's game on how things operate and why it's so important for the player and for the coaches.
0: Yeah, I remember before I came to Celtic, you and I were in constant conversation, right? Because there's obviously that stress of not being able to find a team. And I was reaching out to teams and it was the summer window. And the summer window is like that massive window where teams are really trying to like solidify their roster because most teams do this have the schedule where um, in the fall is the, or like end of summer is the start of their, their season. Very different than the NWSL. And I was a free agent at the time. So I had my contract in Australia had ended and then um, I'd had something fall through. So I was not signed with the team. So I do think it's important to note that like, even though I wasn't signed with a team, two things, one, the window is still when most teams operate. But two, because I'm not signed with the team, I technically don't have to operate in the window. So when I actually signed for Celtic, it was outside of the transfer window because I was a free agent. So it's even just things like that, which make it really confusing. And I remember having that conversation with Celtic initially, and they were like, are you sure? Because the window is about to close. So if you're not a free agent and this window closes, we cannot sign you.
1: That's a great example of a certain nuance that you know, the layperson is definitely not going to know. And as players, we're only really getting that information from either our teammates who have been through the issue, from the, the clubs, if they're willing to reveal that, or our agents. But I would say the large majority of information is, is pretty withheld um, from women's players in, in particular. But as the game is growing, I think we're seeing more of these high-profile transfers. And I hope with that comes a lot more information for, for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, and I just want to give a quick shout out to to a group that you and I both follow the Players Network. I have used their transfer guide so many times on Instagram either to give to people or to look at myself just to see when those windows are. So I gen- I like genuinely feel like as a female footballer, the way you get your information is just allies, like literally other people that have gone through it and understand the confusion. Like the transfer window can be a really difficult time to navigate. And I feel like as a fan, it's a really exciting time because it's when you see you see transfers like you see people leaving clubs you see big money values like you see people jumping across countries and I know that can be really cool but I think especially for for players of our caliber right where I'm not going to Chelsea it can be a really really scary and daunting process but Abby, what are some of the benefits you think of of it right like we're talking about a lack of transparency but let's let's focus on the positives first like what do you think the benefits of the transfer window are
1: yeah, I think it's a great period for players that are unhappy with their current playing situation to find a situation where they're or an environment where they're very comfortable in and can get the best out of their football. So in some situations, um, where you're not getting the minutes that you need, a transfer window is a great opportunity to seamlessly transition to another team. So I think on the player side of things, there's a huge, huge benefit for mobility, yeah, mobility purposes.
0: Yeah, and I definitely feel like it's weird. Like you you think of your contract as like a season and such, but a lot of times for people, if you're not in the best situation, it's kind of like, you're just waiting to get to that transfer window, because even if your contract is, is beyond that transfer window, that's kind of your way out. But, you know, for every positive, I do feel like sometimes there's a negative. There can be really tricky logistics, like just because, Team A wants you, it doesn't mean your current team is going to be willing to let you go. And, like, that's when that's where I think it can be really political, honestly, and it can be really difficult to deal with. Especially, there's this beautiful clause that if you're listening, (laughs) Abby and I both know very well that you need to put in your contract. There's a transfer clause that a lot of people put in their contracts, which basically covers you if if you need to transfer that you can put in a a fee you agree with your club that there's a certain fee that you agreed to be bought out for basically and it kind of is just like your your red button like it's your safety net in order to be able to release but i know people that have not had a transfer clause in their contract and clubs have not wanted to let them go so abs you're talking about this benefit but at the same time like What if that doesn't work for you? Like, do clubs have too much power? Like, should that just be a guarantee in everybody's contract?
1: I think this ties into the economics of football and where the game's going, because, yeah, of course, you have those situations where a club doesn't want to let let a top player go um, for whatever reason. It's in the best interest for the club to keep the player. But now that there's more money and cash injected into the game, those buyout clauses, which you mentioned are very essential, and most contracts should have them now, are going to be really key in drawing big investors into the game. And I'll say this because let's look at someone like Kira Walsh. She transferred from Manchester City to Barcelona, two high-profile teams. She has a buyout clause. She goes for over $400,000. That money's allocated to Manchester City from Barcelona huge lump sum. If I'm an investor and I see that kind of cash flowing, that's an indication that this is a sustainable marketplace for me to make some money. And so I think there's a benefit to it, perhaps it's at the player expense at the moment, but I think it can only benefit players in the future. There's always going to be a way out as long as there's a club willing to pay. And in order for a club to be willing to pay, they need to inject more cash into it. So I think it's a cyclical effect that ultimately will benefit the game and the players. At the moment, of course, it's a little precarious, but that's how things go in the women's game. So that's how I see that whole situation.
0: Abs, I think you bring up a really good point, right? Like, it's all cyclical. Every positive has a negative. Some negatives, there are positives out of it, right? Like, we just focused a little bit on on the positives. I was a bit of a Debbie Downer and brought in a little bit of a negative. So let's transition to the negatives. Like, what do you think the drawbacks are of the transfer window? Yeah,
1: I think earlier I talked about... The mobility of a player being a positive. But on the flip side of that, and I can speak to the experience of this, it's a very precarious time. You're working in a time frame. And if you don't make that certain time frame, you could be left out to dry essentially. And that's something that I experienced myself. I was, you know, leaving a contract. I wasn't in a good situation. I said, okay, I'm gonna leave in June. I have plenty of time in the transfer window to find another team. And unfortunately, I had an agent at the time who was not able to do that. And so when Doomsday hit and I didn't have a team, no one was really looking for a player. And so I was stuck home without a team for about six months. And so that's just one anecdote. But I'm sure many players have had that type of experience where there's this uh, precarity to the whole situation. And it's quite a limbo period. You know, you could be waiting around for six months like I would or. You might have a team ring you up say i need you here in three days and you're on a plane so there is a lot of unknown to be had during these transfer windows
0: yeah and i feel like you and i have been on both sides of that like when i first entered the nwsl i didn't get that contract at louisville i had no idea what a transfer window was and like because everything is is flipped mostly between europe and the us when that preseason was ending in the U S it was the end of the European transfer window. And I didn't know if I was comfortable going to Europe. Like I didn't know where I would want to go in Europe, anything. And so that window's closing and there's literally nothing I can do. And I have no idea what even the window was at that time. And same, I got stuck at home for six months before, before I got, you know, like my break. And so it's just like difficult, I think to be on the receiving end of that. And I think that's why I struggle so much with, there being a lack of information, right? Like even even I feel like when you even start to even have conversations with clubs in that transfer window, you're in the dark so much, especially if you have an agent. And I don't mean that as a knock, but it's just like your agent takes care of so many things. I feel like I have annoyed my agent so many times where I'm like, anything, 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 because it's just like every hour seems like, oh my God, it's going to close. It's not going to go through anything can happen. And I feel like, again, for players like us, we have so much riding on it, whereas they can be like, all right, that one didn't work out On to the next. And so I definitely think like having more transparency and just more information about how long the window is, right? Like you even just said, June, I doubt many people even know when you're saying, and then I got stuck at home when the cutoff was for, for when you're talking about. So I think just like having more information about like when the windows are what those talks look like, what happens after, right? Like after you agree, say you agree with a club, an offer comes through, whatever. If you're with a current club, there is a process through FIFA. Like they have to get all of your information transferred over from the clubs, from the countries, from the leagues. And that can take a little bit. So like, I actually don't even know this. Maybe you know this, Abby, when when you have that agreement, Right signed you're ready to sign with a club they want to push things through with fifa does all of that have to take place before the deadline or is it just your signature that has to take place before the deadline
1: i think it depends on what type of league you're in uh how closely they abide by the rules but i i will say when i was signing for the french team in saint etienne um doomsday was the 31st and i needed to get all my paperwork in and i needed something called a tms transfer document that I didn't have you need to get a signature from your previous club um, talking mm-hmm. about your economic rights and so I I was working my previous club was Iceland so I was working with three different time zones on the phone trying to get this old club to give me the signature trying to fax it over to my new club all in this time window um, and so there are those like hot press situations where you do need to get that that stuff in but to be honest, and this just goes to prove our point even more, I have no idea if that paperwork actually needed to be in by that date, uh, according to FIFA regulations. Like, I'm just uneducated in that space, as are most people in, in women's football. So that's a clear indicator that there needs to be more transparency like you were talking about. But again, that's super precarious time period and, and very stressful, I will say.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if people are listening and they're like, well, if you need more information, like why don't you just look it up? Or like, why don't you get more educated on it? And like my response, it's so hard to find. Like all of that information is is it's so hard to find. And then even agents will give you different information. Like, I'll ask my agent, Abby will ask her agent. And their responses aren't the same, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. Like, and and so I I just feel like you know, we talk about the fact that there's a lack of transparency and like there's all this information that we don't know about and it's just because like fifa clubs no one has sat down and said here's how it works and i feel like that just like makes it difficult kind of for everybody involved but i question if it's because you know those are higher entities right like those those are the authority figures that i just mentioned like do you think it's this aspect of like not giving players autonomy
1: no i don't think it's that intentional, I think it's more so because women's football is an afterthought. If you go to the FIFA website, you can find rules and regulations about transfers, but they're for the men's side. And I have done some digging. They do have like a great women's section. There's a lot of different research papers available for on the women's side at, on the FIFA website, but there's not something as clear and as set out as there is on the men's side. So, like you said, said we just want something that's condensed, clear. Um, and accessible to everybody the same way that the men's have on the FIFA website so that I I don't think it's as intentional as that but I don't think they've thought so far as to say oh maybe we should do the exact same thing the men's have uh, on the FIFA website so people aren't freaking out or having questions every other day
0: yeah and I just want to focus on one thing specifically and that's dates right so I remember looking up through FIFA the specific dates the transfer windows. You can find that information, right? But there's the stuff that happens before that. Like it's kind of one of those things where if you wait until the date of the transfer window, sometimes you're too late. And a lot of times clubs are having conversations before that transfer window because you need to prepare for the transfer window, right? So for example, the summer window, right? So we're normally talking about end of May-ish, right? Until end of August ish, right? Like we're literally talking about June, July, August as that, that timeframe. A lot of teams are preparing in March for what they're going to do in that frame because you have to think who's staying on my team? Who do I need to resign? Who do, Who's leaving? What spots do I have to fill? So you have all these questions that you need to start answering before your season ends, before you can even start looking externally because of all those reasons that you're talking about, right? Like if you're about to lose your highest paid player, because they're not going to resign, you're freeing up a bunch of money. So maybe, oh, I can bring in three players for the price of one. So it's like all these logistical things that clubs need to sort out. But as a player, you're thinking, okay, well, this is when the window opens, I'll contact teams. And then how many times abs have you received an email? Oh, sorry, roster's all set. And the window is like, it's the middle of the window.
1: Yeah, said I've messaged clubs as soon as the transfer window started, and they said their squad was already filled up. So uh, I definitely am a victim of that state of things.
0: You know what it kind of reminds me of? It's kind of like college recruiting on steroids, like when you're trying to like reach out to college coaches and and get them to come to your tournaments and see you and they're like, oh, I already filled my roster spot for your class for a center back and you like just missed the curve. But it's like, when was I supposed to email you? Like I, I emailed you right when the NCAA rule window opened. Like, so I guess it's kind of similar to that. Like if you have any background in NCAA rules, you know, and they've changed obviously since Abs and I have been in college, but like there's a window when you can start contacting coaches transfer window is is along the same lines like there's a window when you can sign players. So, at its most basic form, it's just like that.
1: Right. And I think as we're talking about negative said, I want to mention something regarding the teams. I was actually reading a book by Arsenal's legendary coach Arsene Wenger and he was talking about how debilitating a transfer window can be for a club, be or a coach in general because you might have a situation in a transfer window in mid-season where five of your players want to leave and that can really affect the quality of play. You also might have one big star come in. I know when Sam Kerr came into Chelsea, they, they had a documentary going and they were talking about how it disrupted the flow a little bit. Um, so having players in and out this revolving door throughout these transfer windows can be also not only precarious for the player, but also precarious for the coach and the club in general.
0: Yeah, Abs, and you and I have navigated transfer windows and it's scary. The best thing that you can do is turn to your peers and look for resources. So I'm going to shout them out again on Instagram at the players network underscore. They have been a great resource for the two of us. Abby turned me on to them. It's women who have literally just been in this position and just wanted to create a network for players to feel like you're not alone. And they're a great resource. Like I said, I have used their their information about when the window is so many times. So thank you all for that. But definitely just want to give them a quick shout out and just say like, in order for the game to grow, we also need to help each other. I think that's a, a key part of it as well. So that's what the heck the transfer window is. We did our best to explain it, probably missed so much. And there's probably so much more we can talk about, but hope that answers some questions you all might have. turning over to a new segment okay so we are starting a new segment called grow the game and kind of just fitting with what the episode was just about kind of just explaining the transfer window so we asked you all on instagram any questions that you might have you didn't know what we were going to do with that but here's what we're doing with it we're going to answer them so we are going to answer this question that we received on instagram any advice for young girls looking to become pros one day Abby, we could write a book on this. Quick synopsis, however, I'll let you start.
1: Awesome, Sid. Mine's very simple, two-part. The first one is love the game. There are a lot of peaks and troughs throughout your entire career, a lot of really low lows. And without that genuine love for the game that you probably had as a five-year-old kid, you're not going to make it to the end. And Sid and I can speak from a professional standpoint, especially when it becomes a business, the love for the game should be your anchor point through everything. So that's my first bit. And um, the second bit is demand excellence and don't be afraid to demand excellence in every stage of your career. If you see something that doesn't sit right with you or you feel like you're not being treated in the right way, especially in the women's game, don't be afraid to say something. That's what we need to push the game forward. And so especially as you get later into the later stages of your career, professional game, um, if something's not, to your standards, push the button and definitely push for um, excellence. So those are my two pieces of advice. Uh, They're very generic, but um, I think they're really important to carry with you throughout your career.
0: I also have two pieces of advice. I would also say they're probably generic, but again, just think it's really important. My first thing would just be watch the game. And it doesn't matter if it's men, women, like, I think you need to watch the game to develop an IQ. And I would also say watch across different leagues, watch national teams. Like everybody has a different skill set; They play different systems, watch the position that you play, watch the position that you're normally up against. So if you're a center back, watch what nines do and see the movement of a striker. I think that IQ goes a really long way. Um, and people don't watch the game enough. So if that can give you an upper hand in understanding systems, I think that you'll find that, that that's really good. I feel like our freshman, my freshman year at Brown, Abby sophomore year, one of the reasons why I ended up in the starting lineup. Yeah. I got some luck with some injuries and, and whatever, but I think part of it too was my coach knew Kia shout out to Kia. Listen to our last episode. If, if you haven't already. Um, she knew that there were things I already knew and that she didn't have to teach me. And when you have such a short window of time in preseason, that's pretty valuable. So that would be my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice would be find your X factor. Abby and I have talked about this a lot. Like there needs to be something that differentiates you from everybody else. And if you can find what that is early on and hone it and get really good at it, I think that that is something so profound and it can be something like communication that was probably mine going into college leadership it can be using your weak foot like it can literally be anything um but i think you just have to find what it is and then use that to market yourself forever for the rest of your career like don't lose it like always hold on to that thing become a professional in that thing in order to become a pro later on so that is our grow the game segment Hope that that answered your question. And if you guys want to submit any, just send us a DM and just say, this is for Grow the Game. Please answer this question and we'll be more than happy to add it to the queue. Abby, turning it over to you for games to watch.
1: All right, Sid, everything's going down on February 11th, the Sunday. First matchup, we go over to Spain. We have Atletico Madrid facing Madrid CFF. It's going to be a huge derby. I'm excited for that one, especially because the Spanish league is growing so much. The other one, near and dear to my heart, my old stomping ground in France, major matchup at the top of the table, Lyon versus PSG. That's also on a Sunday, February 11th. That's the one that I'm definitely going to have my eyes on. Excellent football to watch.
0: And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at meggedpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at meggedpodcast or our new Twitter at Megged Podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please rate us and leave reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we tackle new topics, fight over our different perspectives, and as always, our hot takes. See you next week on Megged.